going to preface the message today from the Gospel of Mark and chapter 10. And I invite you to turn there. Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> My mind does go back a little bit, maybe more than a little bit, when we were with you on a Sunday morning. And I'm thinking we had a group of children from Faith Mission Home. Here, I think it was a Sunday morning program. I'm not quite sure about that, and that really doesn't matter. Um, but it is a joy to be with you here today, and I, I hope that uh, together God will minister to our hearts as only he can do. We were singing about the Comforter being here, and, and he's here, um, and he's within us, he's about us, and I, I am of the persuasion that as we open our hearts, he is going to bring comfort to our hearts, or he's going to bring things to our hearts that will cause us to change, and to become more like him, that's my desire. It, it wasn't a, a problem uh, living across the, the uh, Pakistan military, uh, the compound there. I, uh, I don't think it would have made any difference if I knew Osama lived there. I, actually, I think if I'd have known that he was there, I'd have tried to knock on the door of his compound. I'm sure that's as close as we'd have gotten. Um, but when, when we are in the place of God's assignment, then it's okay. And we don't want to be arrogant about that. In fact, we aren't. Um, to simply do things because it's exciting or adventuresome or whatever uh, is not necessarily a good plan in places like that. But with God's call on our life, it's okay. And so I challenge you, especially young people, as you think about God's call on your life and uh, not knowing, you know, we can only see so far and we wonder, you know, what does God have? Where do I go from here? What is the next step? And really, that's the message today. We'll get to that. Um, we'll read this passage. Actually, uh, I should have mentioned there's a parallel passage in, in uh, Luke 18, verse 31 and following, which we will also read. But uh, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word at this time. <clears throat> and we're going to read from Mark 10, verse 32 and following. And they were in the way. Uh, this is Jesus and the disciples. They are together. They are in the way going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus went before them. And they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. 
and the third day he shall rise again. A parallel passage in Luke 18, verse 31 and following. Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, nearly the same words, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated, and spitted on, and they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things, and the saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. You may be seated for man's words. <clears throat> setting is interesting here. Jesus, as was very common, is traveling with the disciples. They are in the way and they are on their way to Jerusalem. The title of the message, if I were to give it one, is taken from that verse 32, Mark 10:32. And Jesus went before them. I just mentioned a bit ago that as <clears throat> together we think of our future and especially young people as you consider the journey ahead. Uh, we have lots of questions, don't we? I did, you probably do too, and I still do. Uh, this morning when I came to the platform here it was comforting to have someone go before me. Uh, someone that's had a lot more experience in preaching than I have went before me this morning. We enjoy that, don't we? Children, isn't it consoling to have dad go before? You know, or mom, or both, our parents. People that have gone the way before. So here we have the disciples and Jesus, they're on their way, and notice that they were going up to Jerusalem. This is very important. Now, we served in Israel for some time, and I know that when you come to Jerusalem from any place, whether you're coming from the Dead Sea, or whether you're coming from Jericho, or wherever, you go up to Jerusalem, and that's significant. We're gonna to touch on that a little bit later. And Jesus was talking to the disciples and he was telling them about the things that were going to happen to him. How he was going to suffer. And what the Gentiles and the chief priests and the scribes were going to do to him. And that they're going to actually kill him. He's going to allow the cross. They were amazed. They were amazed. And as we follow Christ, there are times we're going to be amazed. We might be a little shocked even. They were amazed. But I noticed that they continued to follow. It says, as they followed, they were afraid. Well, they had cause for some fear, I think. 
If Jesus is on his way to a cross, if Jesus is on his way to his death, and we're his followers, we're his disciples, we're identifying with him, we're walking right with him, guess what that might mean for us? <laughs> they were afraid. I notice in the second passage that Jesus said that all things that are written by the prophets are going to be fulfilled. They're going to be accomplished. And as they went, it says they understood none of these things. Now, if I understand the setting right, Jesus and the disciples were coming from Jericho. Okay? Now, children, young people, you know what happened on that road between Jerusalem and Jericho. It was a dangerous place, wasn't it? It's where those thieves jumped out and they grabbed that man that was traveling and they beat him and they, uh, they took what he had and they left him there for dead. It, it's the story of the Good Samaritan. It happened somewhere and we traveled that route. It's desert down there and there's a lot of place for bandits to hide. And maybe as Jesus was going and the disciples were following him in that way, maybe they were afraid of the bandits. But maybe they had some fear in their hearts about the purpose of Christ that he was telling them about. At any rate, they were fearful. Jesus was telling them about things that had not been experienced heretofore. The disciples had followed Jesus for a few years there and uh, some of the things were sort of predictable and some things weren't. Jesus was telling them that there are some things that they'd not experienced before. But Jesus told them that the things that were prophesied and what would happen to him are one and the same. Now I'd like to say to us here that the word of God and his will for our lives will always correspond. I see that here. The things that were prophesied and what actually happened, Jesus said are the same. Okay? Now, as they were walking up there, they were going toward Jerusalem. And if you can picture with me, Jerusalem was the place of sacrifice, wasn't it? It's the place where the, where the sacrifice took place there on Mount Moriah. It's the place where Abraham went with Isaac, his son. You know, he traveled from Hebron in the south three days and then he saw the place afar off. It was the place of sacrifice there in Jerusalem. It was the place of the cross. Jerusalem was the place of denial. It was the place of service. The disciples followed him even though they didn't understand these things. Now as I was thinking about the context 
of this passage. I read Mark chapter 10, and I noticed that there are three things in, in the context of this setting that I think are common threats to us today to be able to understand what it means for Jesus to go before. They are common threats that take the focus away from and we lose our way. If you read in the first part, the first section, verses 1 through 12 of Mark 10, you will see that there's a question of morals. And, and this is not really my message. But there's the question of morals. Uh, they come to Jesus bringing this woman and they're saying, Jesus, is it okay to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away? And these kinds of things. It had to do with morals. Would you agree with me that the moralities of the day today have a lot to do with whether our focus is on Christ and whether we will see him in front of us clearly. Morals will cloud that picture and will destroy it actually. The second one, and, and I just used three M's here to make it easy to remember. It's, we'll call them M and M's, okay? We like those anyway. So the first one I'm gonna call morals. The second one has to do with um, this rich man. He, he uh, came to Jesus there and he said, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And, and then they rehearsed the commandments and all. And the end of the story here is that this man went away a sad man. Why? Because he was a rich man. And I'm going to suggest here, number 2M, that money, materialism, we could call whichever word we want to use, is probably the second threat to understanding the purpose of Christ and he going before us. Thirdly, on the other side of our text, we find two disciples, they were James and John, and they came to Jesus and they said, Master, wouldn't it be nice if the one of us could sit right here and the other one could sit right here. Uh, they were vying for position, weren't they? I'm going to call this threat, for lack of a better M word, I'm just gonna call it myself. Myself and my position, okay? Does that threaten our ability to see Christ clearly? and his purpose for us, and he going before us? I think so. A few questions. So do I understand who Jesus is? We look at the disciples and say, why couldn't they understand? They just didn't, un they understood none of these things. Do I understand who Jesus is? Do I understand his purpose for me? Do I understand his plans and his path into the future? The disciples saw him as a great teacher, they saw him as a prophet. They saw him as a man of God, maybe the Messiah, but they missed his true purpose. They didn't understand, do we? Second, am I able to face my future with complete confidence? Can I face the future with confidence? 
I don't know what's there. We can see, uh, we're, we're here right now and we see a little bit, but we can't see very far, can we? I can't. So what are my thoughts about the future? What thoughts do the future bring to our heart? Do they bring fear? Do they bring trust, strength, assurance, rest? How content am I to follow Christ when I know something of the direction that he's going? Okay. And how content am I to follow Christ when I don't know the direction totally? Or at least we don't know what's at the end of the road. How excited am I with being seen with Christ when this calls attention to things like his meekness and his humility and so on? Does Jesus have a plan for me today? <clears throat> I'm going to tell you a little story. We just returned from Bangladesh uh, the end of March. And while we were there, my wife and I were walking from Najipur, the little village where we lived. We were coming from the town and coming toward our apartment and we were walking, which is common. And as we were going, suddenly a little rickshaw came around us and drove up in front of us and stopped and a man jumped off the back. And he reached out his hand and he said, I need blood. Now, I don't know what you would say or do. I didn't see a knife or a gun or anything, but he needed he needed blood. Now he went on to explain very quickly that his wife had had a baby and they had taken it cesarean and she had lost a lot of blood and he was needing blood and he wanted blood. And so I said, well, uh, mine is red. I think it's good. But what kind do you need? He said, I need typo positive. I said, I'm sorry. I don't know what kind I have. Now I know you can mix uh, 10 weight and 30 weight together in, a, in the oil and, and usually you can get away with some of that but blood's a bit more technical. I said, uh, let me see what I can do and I call quickly to my team and I talk to our team leader. I said, is there anyone on our team that's got type O positive blood? And he said, uh, I think so. I think Lydia has some. Lydia Gertson from Oregon was on our team and so I said, okay. I quickly dial her number. I call Lydia and I said, where are you? She said, I am on the road on the other side of the Poya school and I am coming toward the apartment with two other girls. I said, um, do you have typo positive blood? She said, I do. I said, would you like to give some of your life away? And she said, I will. I said, we are coming. Now this man is a total stranger. We jump on a little rickshaw and we go. He's in a hurry. He wants blood for his wife. So we go, we see Lydia coming and some other girls and we stop and he asks her and she says, yes, she has the right kind of blood. He said, get on. So she gets on the little rickshaw, joins us and he takes us just a little distance and said, come, you need to come meet my wife and this baby, then we'll go take the blood. So we did. We go into this little, little house thing. It, it had two stories and we go in, he takes us up and there is his wife in bed. And she has the cutest little baby, you know, the chocolate brown eyes and the black curly hair, and she's about this big. And everything is fine with that little baby girl, but the wife needs blood. He said, come, we need to go. So we go back down, get on the little rickshaw, go to the other side of town, and there they take Lydia, and, and this is Bangladesh now, okay? 
Uh, Rose is identifying with this. They stick that needle in the arm, and, uh, and, and they took good measure. I don't know how they measure blood. They do it by the bagful, but they took a lot of blood. She got a little pale, but she was okay. They came and gave her some juice, and all of us, and then we went our way, and of course, there's refrigeration is an issue, so they take the blood from this person and take it over for this person. This is good. The point is this. So how do we know? There's a need. There's a point of ministry here. Now, we did have some contact with this man after the fact, and I hope to have some more. We know who he is. Uh, he's not a believer. But you know, when you, when you uh, can include these types of things in ministry, you know, blood, life, man, these, these types of things, that'll preach. You know, this, this gets good. The illustration is good. A little bit like doing uh, water springs in Afghanistan. You know, water, we talk about water, the value of sanitary water, and water is life-giving and all of this. Yeah, you draw a parallel. They can understand this. When Jesus says before, it's okay. It's okay. Now, today... I don't know your struggle. I don't know your life. I don't know what you are dealing with today. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's a low time in your life. Maybe it's a transition. Maybe there's something you're thinking about you're just not quite sure about. You just don't know. Let me assure you that if we are in the way with Jesus and he is before us it's going to be okay All right <clears throat> seven lessons today follow along it was very common in this culture for the rabbi to walk ahead of his disciples the rabbi was here, and the disciples, the followers, came behind. They would walk in his footsteps. They'd follow in his dust. Okay? So this was very, very common. And consequently, the rabbi is leading the way. Now, in a true sense, Jesus is going where no other man could go. Now, anyone could walk to Jerusalem, but the meaning is deeper. Jesus is going to fulfill a purpose that no one else could fulfill. He is about to do what no other man could take his place in. He's resolute. He's focused. He's committed. He is on his way. Jesus was focused on a plan. It wasn't plan B. It was plan A which is very significant. It was plan A. From the foundation of the world, the Bible says he was the lamb slain. From the foundation of the world. My point here is this, that God has a purpose that only you can fulfill. He has a purpose for you and you. All of you. God has a purpose only you can fulfill. And that purpose 
will be known by you only as Jesus goes before and leads the way. Then the way will be known. Ephesians 1.4 says it this way, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's in Ephesians 1. And if you go to Ephesians 1, this is verse 4. And if you read the verses following, which we don't have time to do, we will read there, you will find there ideas like adoption and understanding the mystery of his will. Isn't that precious? Belonging and and having him unfold the mystery of his will. It's what we don't know now, but we understand as we follow. As we follow. Jesus went before them. Second lesson. I notice from our passage in verse 10 and chapter 10 and verse 32 that they were in the way. Jesus was not going up a wadi somewhere or going catty corner across the desert. They were in the way. I like that illustration. This morning, we had the two ways. There was a narrow way and there was a broad way. You can be sure that if Jesus is going before and you are in the way with him, that it will be the narrow way, never the broad way. Okay. They were in the way. The Gospel of John, uh, in chapter 14 and verse 5, Jesus was talking to the disciples one day about his plan. He said he would go to prepare a place, and he would come again, and he would receive them to himself, that where he is, they could be. You know the story there. Jesus was explaining these things, and then Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going and how can we know the way and jesus said that's who i am i am the way i am the truth i am the life but now how do i know that he is before me i know he's the way i know he's the truth what's the truth we've got it right here how do we know Prayer. We talked about prayer this morning. Prayer. Being in fellowship with the Father. You see, if I am in close communion with Him and His Word is in my heart, we're together. And Jesus is going before. That's the narrow way. It's safe. We can know. We talked about the Comforter. In fact, I'll just mention that right now. John 14, 26, we sang about the Comforter. Here's the verse. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall, what? Teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Don't let your heart be troubled. I am going before. The Comforter, the Holy Spirit, who lives right inside here, he's going to teach you. 
He's going to tell you, and what he tells you is going to be consistent with what you read. You can know that I am before. Okay? Very, very important. The apostles in Acts, it says that they were followers of the way. And I notice that as the disciples were followers of the way, that the church grew. And many were at it, and tremendous things were happening. The kingdom was being built, and so on. My point here is that if Jesus is before, not only is it always the right way, but we are with him in the right way. That's confidence. I love that. Proverbs 14 tells us, though, on the other side, that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So let's be very careful. There's a way that seems right, but it's not. It's the work of the Holy Spirit and the counsel of others and the Word of God and many things that help us understand the right way. Lesson number three. <clears throat> On two previous occasions, Jesus told the disciples that he was going to die. He was telling them about that. In, in Mark 8, in verse 31, Jesus is telling the disciples, and, and Peter says, Lord, be it far from you. That's not going to happen to you. You're, you're the king. You're Jesus. This isn't going to happen to you. And Jesus kindly told Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. To somehow have ideas about avoiding the cross, avoiding the way of Jesus. Thoughts about going another way are not of God. They come of Satan. And Jesus rebuked that idea. Get behind me, Satan. And I'd like to challenge us today that when ideas come to us and we're tempted to take our eyes off of the rabbi in front of us and we say, that way looks dangerous. I don't think I want that way. It looks to me like there's a cross down the way somewhere. It looks like there's a cross there. It looks like the place of sacrifice is coming right up. I can see it far off maybe. And these ideas, I think I'm going to look for another way. That idea is not of God. <clears throat> My point here is that the disciples tuned out to things that didn't make rational sense, like Jesus being crucified, or that came so far short of their expectations. Here, here was their high expectation. Jesus was going to be their king and set things right and so on. But Jesus was telling them other things and they were just like, come on, this can't be right. And they were thinking of other, and Jesus said, those ideas are of Satan. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Put away those ideas. Take up his cross 
and follow me. Lesson number four. They were on their way to Jerusalem. Now Jerusalem was, as I mentioned, the place of worship. It was a place of sacrifice. It was the hill of Calvary. They were heading up there. In Genesis 22, we have that story where Abraham and his son Isaac are traveling from Hebron in the south. That's where the story of the purple wheelchair took place. They were on their way from that place toward Jerusalem. Now, it's not that far by car, but it was a difficult journey. Back in those days, it's rough and it's rocky, it's steep, and they made their way. And Abraham comes to the place. He sees it afar off, and as they get ready to go right to the place of the sacrifice, Isaac looks up to his father and he says, Dad, I see we've got wood, we've got fire, uh, we've got a knife, but Father, where is the lamb for this sacrifice? And the words of Abraham are so profound where he said, Son, God will provide himself a lamb for this sacrifice. He's telling his son, Son, you are not that sacrifice. God himself is that sacrifice. Maybe God was telling Abraham about the ram in the thicket. I tend to believe that God revealed some deep things to Abraham. And when he said God will provide himself, I think Abraham had some idea that God is the perfect sacrifice. We go up to Jerusalem. And I'd like to suggest here that the place of sacrifice, the place of worship, the place of service is always up. It's always up. <clears throat> that way we'll have low times. That way we'll have difficult times. But remember, the path to a deeper understanding of who God is, worship and sacrifice, is always up. Always up. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed, how? From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That way is always up. We go up to Jerusalem. Jesus went before the disciples as they went up. He will always lead us to greater dimensions with him. Lesson number five, very quickly. I noticed that as they were going, they were having a discussion. What was the discussion about? It had to do with redemption for the world, didn't it? Jesus was telling them that he's going to suffer. And he's going to die. He's going to give his life. He's going to fulfill that plan of God before the foundation of the world, the ultimate sacrifice. Now, 
I'd like to suggest to us today that if Jesus is before, then his purpose is that we see people through that same window. Redemption for the world. It's the high purpose of God in Christ. It's the high purpose of Christ for us. That in whatever God brings into our circumstances, it might be a health situation. It might even be an amputee. It might be, I don't know what your situation is, but whatever it is that God has brought into your experience, I'd like for you to see that as God's way of using you to reach people for his kingdom. It's important. It's not by happenstance that these things come to us. God has a plan for us. And God wants to use your situation to reach someone for his kingdom. Allow Jesus to go before. Number six, lesson number six, following the master means suffering. Following the master involves suffering. We talked about the cross experience and that's part of it. First Peter four, you're gonna, now you've already been through that in your Sunday school. First Peter four verses one through three. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves, outfit yourselves, clothe yourself with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. He has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us. The time past of our life is enough to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in these many things, lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. First Peter 3 and verse 18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. That's beautiful. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. My point here is that sacrifice, once again, involves suffering. When Jesus calls a man, when Jesus calls a disciple to follow him, he bids him come and die. Jesus said, whoever comes after me, let him deny himself and be ready to suffer. <clears throat> Lesson number seven. Jesus' purpose was short of their own expectations because they didn't understand his word. They didn't understand his word. They were afraid, they were amazed, they were frightened. I ask, 
what is my level of resolve? What does it take to take me off course from following the master? Am I committed to following whether I understand or whether I don't? 1 Peter 4 and verse 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye also may be glad with exceeding joy. My final point here is, am I willing to follow God even though the path he has chosen for me is short of my great expectation. In review, seven lessons. Number one, God has a purpose only you can fulfill, known only as he goes before and I follow in step with him. Remember, there is no wiser thing for us to do than to understand what direction God is moving and then to be in step behind him. There is nothing wiser. The Christian life basically boils down to a life of obedience, does it not? Number two, if Jesus is before not only is it always the right way, but we are also in the way with him. Number three, following the master is the path of self-denial, obedience, and the cross. And number four, when Jesus goes before, the way is always up, which means greater dimensions of worship, deeper levels of sacrifice, but always ending and resulting in greater joy. Number five, with Jesus in front, I will see life, people, situations, and ministry through the filter of his great heart. Number six, sacrifice always involves suffering or usually involves suffering. When Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. And finally, there is no price too high when Jesus goes before. I was thinking of the disciples there in John 6, and I'm going to conclude with this thought. In John chapter 6, Jesus was talking about some hard sayings. He was explaining to the disciples about his, his body and his blood and how that a man needs to eat his body and drink his blood if he's going to have life and, and hard sayings and the disciples were just like, Jesus, what do you mean? Verse 60 says, many therefore of his disciples when they heard this said, this is a hard saying, Lord, who can hear it? And then I'm going to skip down to verse 66. And allow me to paraphrase a few words here. Verse 66 says, From that time, many of his disciples went back 
and walked no more with him. The path that Jesus has for you as he goes before, and that path looks uncertain, it looks unclear, it looks difficult, it might look dangerous, we might be a little apprehensive. It says here that many of the disciples, they went back, they looked for a way around and they walked no more with him. And then Jesus said unto the 12, and I'm going to paraphrase, and Jesus said unto the brothers and the sisters at Shade Mountain Fellowship, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered, and again I paraphrase, then the brothers and sisters at Shade Mountain Fellowship answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Who shall we follow? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I conclude, and Jesus went before them. May he do the same for you as you continue living out your faith and building the kingdom of Christ here in this area. May Jesus go before you. Let's kneel together to pray.